Hello, my name is Philip Camella, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. Now the name of today's show is, Is There Still a New Age? And before we get into it, just a couple things here. Some people may have noticed uh, that I'm using my real name, which is Philip Camellus, instead of Philip Miriton, and I used Miriton to separate my legal career from my media career, but with the publication of my new book, The Collapse of Materialism, Visions of Science, Dreams of God, everyone thought it'd be good to unify me into one person. So uh, it's Philip Camella. I'm always uh, ready to answer questions uh, at my email address, philipcamella, that's C-O-M-E-L-L-A, at gmail.com. And my new website is thecollapseofmaterialism.com, where you could see not only the shows from Conversations Beyond Science and Religion posted, but also shows in which uh, yours truly is the interviewee. Now, in terms of some shows coming up, we have a lot of great shows uh, scheduled here. We have Evan Padone from the Florida Paranormal Society coming up on June 16th. I'm happy to have Peter Tung as a guest. He's the host of Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation, a very popular radio show out of the West Coast. I have Robert Sharp coming up. He's also the host of a show called Bringing Inspiration to Earth. And I've also just been able to book Professor Richard Con Henry from John Hopkins University, who's written a very controversial article in Nature magazine about the mental universe and I think that by listing the guests I just wanted to highlight that the purpose of this show is really twofold I try to open minds uh, try to give a broad perspective on on issues out there from the spiritual world to the scientific world and I'm also trying to bring some of these big ideas down to earth there's something that guides me uh, which is something that I picked up from Ken Wilbur, by the way, which is that there's truth in everything. There's, little, there's, a, there's a little nugget of truth in what anybody says, and it's just a matter of finding that nugget and exploring it. And so that's what I try to do. I don't think it's wise to dismiss categories of people or fields of thought uh, out, out of hand. We know that from such things as life after death, which seems like a pretty crazy topic uh, until you start reading up on it and realize how many people have had similar experiences that they call life after death and the publication of Proof of Heaven written by the neuroscientist who had one of those life after death experiences, I think have, give, have given credibility to the field and maybe reaffirming some of the great teachings from the past, such as in Eastern philosophy. Okay, well, turning to today's show, as I said, the title of today's show is, uh, is, is there still a new age? And I wanted to do this because we've heard the topic new age a lot, and it's sort of been undefined. A lot of people don't like using it because it brings in certain aspects that don't have a lot of um, weight in mainstream science but it's always been a provocative and intriguing topic to me it's it's always had a message of optimism and of hope so today's our, today our guest is Dick Larson now he brings a different perspective on the new age and I think we're gonna wind up having an engaging conversation he is a counselor with a background in education, who has studied the ageless wisdom teachings, meditations, and practical spirituality 
in everyday life. He's appeared on all sorts of radio shows across the country. He's co-hosted his own show, and he's also put together a series of public access TV shows. And so hold on to your seats because we're going to be talking about some hopefully mind-bending ideas in the new age. Dick, thank you for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Philip. Thanks for having me. Well, now let's let's first uh, lay the table, draw the picture here a little bit. How did you go from being a consular with a background in education to somebody with an interest in the new age and the ageless wisdom teachings? Well, I, <laughs> I live in uh, Southern California, and um, Benjamin Krem, who is a worldwide lecturer and author uh, and artist, by the way, um, traveled to the United States. He doesn't anymore because it's doctor advised him. He's getting up in years right now, but um, he traveled to the United States uh, once a year, stopped in New York and Los Angeles and gave um, lectures about something called the Ageless Wisdom Teachings. The Ageless Wisdom is an ancient, ancient philosophy. It's not a religion. Ancient philosophy so old that its basic truths are said to underlie the major religions of the world. Well, I saw him speak. It was suggested uh, by a friend that I go check him out. I did. I didn't understand everything he said. <clears throat> he talked for about three hours, and I, and, but I was fascinated. Um, so I bought one of his books, which I'm not here to sell books, but they're available on Amazon. And um, his last name is spelled Krem, C-R-E-M-E. He, by the way, Philip, is the source for the information that I'm going to be sharing sharing with you today, the, the primary source. Um, and so I got interested. I read his first book, and I thought, okay, this is this makes a lot of sense to me. I was raised a Christian, and the book was answering questions my religion couldn't answer. And I thought, this is really good stuff. So then I started studying more of the Ageless Wisdom teachings. Alice Bailey was the earlier teacher before Benjamin Krem. She wrote about 20 books in the 30s and 40s. And um, it just seemed to be practical. It seemed to fit into, into talking about why we're here on the planet, what life's all about, and in particular for me, what my life was all about and what we can look forward to in the future if any of it is true. Okay. So I got very, very interested and became a volunteer for a, a nonprofit educational organization called Share International, um, which Benjamin Krem is created, and um, have been telling this story now and talking about the Ageless Wisdom teachings for many years. Okay, so... There's a lot in what you said, and we're going to try to unpack it because I think this is pretty interesting. In the biggest picture, it's always good to put things like ageless wisdom, spiritual tra traditions, into the flow of human history. We know that from the early Vedanta and the, the earliest authors of the Upanishads, that there was a fundamental basis for a lot of the same spiritual teachings that we are re-articulating and, and modernizing in today's world. So when you use the term, and maybe it's Benjamin Krem's term, and it's not really an original term, ageless wisdom teachings, what, right. do, what do you mean by that? Well, um, the ageless wisdom is an esoteric wisdom, and esoteric means hidden. And it's been passed down mostly by word of mouth um, for, for eons, and then finally started getting put into writing in the early days in things like some of the scrolls that have been found um, and so on. And then it, <clears throat> the word of mouth made its way into each of the great teachers who came and ended up starting a religion. Most of them didn't mean to, um, but ended up starting a religion. And so some of these thoughts got passed into those. The 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 crisis of the ageless wisdom, the, the I'm sorry, I didn't mean crisis. I meant the, the critical part of the Ageless Wisdom teachings are, are called God, what, what is seen as God's laws, or the laws of the universe, if you don't believe in God, which is fine. Um, the laws of the universe like um, the law of cause and effect. In the East, they call it karma. 
in the West, we call it cause and effect. It's taught in every major religion. As you sow, so shall you reap. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Seek and you shall find an eye for an eye, a tooth. It's all cause and effect. The scientists call it the law of action and reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Well, that's one of God's great laws, and that's how we create our lives from moment to moment. We create them by our actions, which cause ripple effects that come back to us. And, and, and so that's a basic thing people need to know in life. And there are several of these wonderful laws that will clear up a lot of the mysteries of life once they become known, but they've been hidden over the ages and revealed only when man was ready for the next revelation and ready to grasp it and maybe put some of it to use in their lives. And so it's been hidden, but now is being more and more revealed because humanity right now, um, the, the masters of wisdom, the, um, the great ascended masters, the, the humans who have gone ahead of us in evolution and, and hung around as great consciousness or great spiritual beings have have said through these great teachers that now is a good time to start revealing more and more of these laws and of this wisdom. Now, I'll, let me tell you what I think makes sense here. What I think makes sense is that if you look at the ageless wisdom teachings or whatever term we're going to use sure. as being sort of the giant wave of truth or or spiritual insight mm -hmm. and this wave moves through time then then you could see in that light where you have certain luminaries certain prophets appearing throughout history articulating the ageless wisdom in different ways right? exactly and so that that to me is a actually a beautiful concept because we have to find a way to unite the world's religions. I mean, a lot of people aren't really into it, by the way, um, into doing that. And as a side note, uh, the Dalai Lama has has this notion of, of compassion, that all religions should show compassion to each other, which I personally don't think goes far enough. I think we have to find a way to unite the world's religions. But, but that, for another day... The point maybe that, not <laughs> well this is this is this is where this is where I think that there is a, a, a lot of value in in where you're going I think we're yes. gonna have to sort of break it down a little bit because I also agree that if you take the broadest possible perspective ie don't get caught up in personalizing God is any particular thing yet or don't get caught up in one uh, certain religious text, but look at spirit evolving over time, uh, which uh, parenthetically is also in the philosophy of Hegel and uh, such and such people as Siri or Aurobindo. It's not an original concept, but in any event, if you look at spirit evolving over time, then you could see it being possible that the spirit will be throwing off or will be um, uh, breaking apart into different prophets. Is that, sort of, is that sort of what you're saying? Yes, it is. And absolutely. I love that wave analogy. I think that's beautiful, and, and it brings a beautiful picture to mind of how this has flown through the history of, of humanity <clears throat> and and um, just flowed from from age to age. Now, you talked about the separation of the religions, and Philip, I couldn't agree more. It's one of the major problems in the world. As a matter of fact, separation in all aspects of life. Look at the Republicans and Democrats. They can barely talk to each other right now. Right. They're so separated. The poor and the wealthy, so separated. That is a problem with the age of Pisces. And the last age that we have been through for the last 2,000 years, and you said at the outset of your show that you wanted to talk about the ages, and this might be a good time to bring up why that Piscean influence over the last 2,000 years has caused so much separation. Well, yeah, I don't, first of all, I don't think that anybody can dispute that we have too much separation. Yes. And we have too much combativeness and too much competitiveness and that's fine on a sports field it may even be fine in a political debate but at our core we can't be competitive over God and that that's sort of that's sort of the message that I 
or, or the standpoint I would take. And what uh, I think the problem is, is that our scientific worldview is based upon separateness. And this is where my own little, my, my own book, The Collapse of Materialism, that's what I talk about, about how materialism separates us. And I do think the problem we have, Dick, is that we don't have a unifying theme, i.e. an underlying plot to the story of life. And, right, and right. the ageless wisdom gives us a basis for it. I think. It does. I, it, I think. Okay. Now, now you you sort of segued into astrology a little bit there, which well, actually astronomy. Okay, okay astronomy. Okay, okay. So why don't you talk about? I I sort of did a little segue, but I want to come back to the Pisces or whatever whatever you called it about sure. this is this is the time, this is the time for something to occur. So why don't you elaborate upon that? I'd be happy to. Thank sure. you. Yeah, people people wonder about this age thing and what does all that mean and and what is Aquarius and Pisces. Well, I'm not going to talk about astrology that's published in magazines and newspapers for entertainment. I'm talking about now astronomy. The scientists call it the precession of the equinox. And here's what happens basically. Now, first of all, I want to say one other thing I didn't say, Philip, and that is that I'm not here to convince your listeners of what I'm saying. I'm not here to cram anything down anybody's throat or anything like that. I just want to offer up my information and they can take whatever they want from it. If 20% of it makes sense to them, wonderful. I'm happy with that. But I'm not here to convince anybody just to present this information. Um, so the our, our solar system, and in particular our planet, come into alignment. We're surrounded by the 12 great constellations, these huge, huge heavenly bodies. Each has its own energy, powerful, powerful energies. And we call those 12 constellations that surround our solar system, we call them the zodiac. And um, about every 2,250, 2,500 years, our planet comes into alignment with one of these constellations. And it goes in order around the zodiac. For the last 2,000 years, we have been in alignment with the great constellation Pisces. When we're in alignment with one of these constellations, we say we are in the age of whatever that constellation is. So for the last 2,000 years, and if you go up to any um, astronomer, um, they will tell you about the precession of the equinox and how we come into alignment with these, with these different constellations. Well, the primary energies of Pisces, according to the Ageless Wisdom, are um, individuality and dedication to an ideal. So those energies have been pouring into our planet and consequently, Philip, into humanity for the last 2,000 years. Dedication to an ideal, the ideal of freedom, is what kept the world, saved the world, and defeated Hitler and the Axis powers in World War II. Um, individuality, man has come out of the herd over the last 2,000 years and, and been able to stand up and speak for themselves. These are important developments in the history and the evolution of humanity. However... The individuality has been overemphasized by humanity, and, and unfortunately, people become dedicated to their own ideals rather than to general ideals. And so we have the Christian religion alone has over 200 different groups, 200 different Baptists, Protestants, you know, right. uh, Roman Catholics, and so on and so forth. So the individuality and the dedication to an ideal have caused this separation. Everybody's dedicated to their own ideal. Every religion has the only path. Um, and so on. That's all part of the Piscean influence. That started in that started 2,000 years ago. Now in 1625 we started moving out of the influence of Pisces, and in 1675 we started moving into the influence of the next constellation, which is Aquarius. And so now we are receiving Aquarian energies, and everything's going to change. Thank goodness, because the two primary energies of Aquarius are synthesis and cooperation okay so we're not going to see a you or me world anymore we're going to see a you and me world okay hold that thought for a second this is philip camella this is conversations beyond science and religion we're speaking with dick larson about the ageless wisdom teachings and the new age and how with with luck there is a better world around the corner okay so let's Let's stop here for a second because anytime someone starts talking uh, to me 
about some kind of alignment with the constellations. Uh, I, I have two reactions. First of all, it sounds pretty doubtful. That's my first reaction. Number two, there might be truth in it. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said at the top of the show, and I meant this, that the only way we could see if there is truth in ideas that some people might think are a little far out is actually by thinking about them it, from a very broad perspective. And now, now I'm going to go out there a little bit, but here, but here we go, because this, this is why I think that there might be some truth to this. We are seeing more and more people writing about how the human body is really a reflection of internal states. And there's a number of books uh, on this, and I've had, I recently had Patty Coughlin on the show um, who talked about this. And we're starting to see more of a of an Eastern standpoint, Eastern perspective on the body. Well, if if the uh, body is connected to the spirit, that it's possible, and I happen to happen to think it's true, that the universe is connected to the one spirit, and therefore we are we we would be in tune, or we would be sort of in alignment with the stars. And, and so even though it is so, so uh, radical in the scientific worldview to hold this perspective, because, of course, in the scientific worldview, the stars are random creations that came at us. And anybody uh, who would talk about being in the age of Aquarius in a scientific classroom would be shown the door. But if we take a different perspective, which is the spirit or mind first perspective, then it, it's not all that far out. And so I just wanted to sort of lay that out there, Dick, because, you know, one of my missions is to try to find the credibility in these, in these ideas. And so I just wanted to tell you that even though we're conditioned to think that the age of Aquarius is really a, pass, a fancy or a passing fancy, I, I don't think it should be dismissed out of hand. Okay, so... Yeah. So um, okay. So so basically, so we are in in this new age of Aquarius. So so why don't you t talk a little bit more about what that really means for us today? Sure, sure. And just just again to tell your listeners, if they would Google um, precession, P R E, not procession, precession of the equinox, or if they go to any observatory and ask the the the, the people at the observatory, will tell them about the precession of the equinox right. and 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 so on, the physical alignment that takes place. It's also an energetic alignment. Well, well, you um, see, the problem though is that it's is getting the connection between that precession and life on yeah. Earth. That's really the distinction. But but yes. but but we've already touched upon that, and I've already said that it's we shouldn't rule it out. But but just to sort of lay this out there, um, sure. we we have a lot of a, a lot of room to cover in terms yeah. of making these things real. But I. I, I also think there's a lot of people that want the age of Aquarius to be true, <laughs> and so yeah. and so I'm one of them. I mean, so so it's it's it, it's something that we really want to find something real for us. Okay, so with that little uh, digression, Dick, why don't you now talk about what this means for us? Well, what it means for us is that. What it takes to be effective and accomplish something on this planet is going to change. Individual leaders, because individuality is going out, will have less and less impact on the planet. And the common folks, people like you, like you and I, Philip, um, and, and your listeners, will have more and more of an impact. You'll notice that, I'll tell you why, because the Aquarian energy is is cooperation and synthesis, and what that means is that it works through groups. So now the next step for humanity's evolution is for these individuals to align themselves and work together, for the individual to take their talents, their ideas, and to put them at the service of the group, which is humanity. 
So, so that's the next step, right relationship. It's called right relationship. The religions call it righteousness, and that's all it means is right relationship. It means cooperation. It means working together. So what it means for people like you and I, Philip, is that people marching in the streets are going to make have a much greater impact. Because this energy works through groups. Things are going to happen by group. Benjamin Krem is in touch with one of the Ascended Masters uh, 24 hours a day if he wants to be. And his master has said, and the, the world teacher who we'll talk about later has said that, um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, um, le well, well let, me, let me first uh, stop here and let's talk sure. about the Ascended Masters. Because not a lot okay. of people, if you've studied theosophy... Uh, you may have heard of them, and I have done a little reading in, in theosophy, but I am not a, an expert on the Ascended Masters, although I have a sense of what they are. It sounds like a pretty, you know, unique term, but who or what are the Ascended Masters, and why should we care? Yeah, the Ascended Masters are great beings, consciousness, spiritual beings, whatever you want to call them, that no longer need bodies. They have, they were human just like us. And they went through human evolution just like us and learned all the lessons that planet Earth had to teach them, which is the process we're all going through. We're learning the lessons of planet Earth. And once they've learned the lessons that being a human being on planet Earth can teach. You don't need a body anymore. You don't need to show up on planet Earth anymore. You become a permanent consciousness. You become an aware being, uh, a soul, if you want to say that, without a body, for example. And so these great are these are people like Confucius, um, Krishna, um, the, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, um, Joan of Arc. Um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, all these great, great beings that went ahead of us and are now, there are 63 of them, Philip, according to the Ageless Wisdom, that are now the stimulators of human humanity behind the scenes. They, they inspire us. To, to the great heights. These are, these are the inspirations behind the great achievements by humanity. And they have stuck around planet Earth to help the rest of us evolve. They're called ascended masters. They're called the masters of the wisdom. Um, they're called many names. And the spiritual hierarchy, the kingdom of souls, the lords of compassion. They're, they're called that. They're called masters, by the way, Philip, not because they're masters over us, but because they're masters over themselves. And they've shown us where each of us are going to go as we complete our evolution on the planet here and become permanent consciousness. Well, they have inspired the great teachers of the past. Um, and so they are, if, if somebody believes in God or all the intelligence of the universe or all the love of the universe, they represent that great being or that great awareness for humanity on planet Earth. Yeah, okay, so there's two parts to this that we need to cover. First, first of them, anytime someone talks about ascended masters or grand spiritual beings, the next part of it would be who is in touch with them. And that, I guess, is going to be Benjamin Krem and maybe others, and we could talk about that. But it reminds me of the, the statement, and I forget who said it, but it was something like, um, it could have been Nietzsche. Uh, it was something like, if God didn't exist, man would have to invent him. And sometimes I don't know whether we, we use these concepts such as ascended masters to inspire us, whether we create them to inspire us, that the inspiration is really coming from somewhere inside of us, or whether such being and and whether such beings really need to exist uh, that's that's really the big question that I always ha that I always have and frankly Dick I don't know if that question can be answered I don't know I don't know because I think that I don't know whether we need to have these beings really exist and and I'd like you to you know or let me let me ask it very directly do you think these beings really exist Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And what um, and what leads you to that conclusion? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> several things. Okay. Um, f first, 
the Aegis Wisdom says that, and all the major religions and philosophies basically say, humanity is made up of four aspects, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, which not coincidentally is the direction of the evolution of humanity. First we developed physically animal man, then emotionally, and then we finally got the germ of a brain and a, and a, and a mind, and, and now we, we have a mind, and, and then spiritually some, we, are, we are discovering that we're spirits. We're not humans having spiritual experiences, we're spirits having a human experience. That's what we're starting to discover. When that happens, humanity wakes up, and the masters can approach us. And Philip, that's what's going to happen. So it's not, it's a great debate. And you're right, you can't prove it. But they're coming forward now. There are 13 masters right now that have taken physical bodies, and the, your listeners will see them on TV. They'll see them walking among them, teaching for the next 2,000 years. They are coming back for the first time in 98,000 years. Um, they're coming back and taking physical bodies to to bring to us the next revelation and to help us get back on track because we have lost our way. Today's great spiritual crisis is that we have forgotten who we are. Like I said, we've forgotten that we're spirits and that, if, and that spirituality affects all aspects of life, social, political, financial, healthcare, business. So these great beings, these great beings are the ones who inspire our soul. Soul. They touch our soul, and our soul is connected to our mind. The mind interprets the message of the soul and says, I think maybe I'm supposed to do this. We can call it a conscience. We can call it whatever we want. Those inspirations, the great discoveries of humanity, those come from the masters. Now, I can't prove they're here, but they will be walking around. I've been told that I have spoken to several of them. Um, and I bet you you have too, or we probably wouldn't be doing this interview. Um, they appear as normal people, and they can do this anytime they want to. They can appear as an ordinary person, a homeless person, a man, a woman, a child, um, African-American, Asian-American, Caucasian, whatever. And usually there's three ways that people know they've, they've seen a master. Sometimes they'll talk to them, sometimes not. It's usually very brief, um, but there are usually three reactions people have. Number one they will either, there'll be something in the eyes that just touches them very, very deeply that they've never felt before. Number two, they will feel, or they might feel just joy. Their heart will just leap for joy. They feel like their feet aren't touching the ground for a few minutes. They, they, and they don't know where this joy came from. Um, or, or they'll feel tremendously loved, you know, one of those two. The third way, one of the third ways is that they will have an ordinary experience, but they can't get it out of their mind. They ran into a homeless person and saw him, and they made eye contact, and he walked by him. But they can't get that person out of their mind. That was probably a master. They usually come to teach us something. Um, the obvious message would be that no matter what we look like, no matter what our financial status, we're all sacred. Okay, so we're all spirits. Okay, okay, this is Philip Camilla. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Dick Larson about the intriguing topic of the ascended masters now let me let me uh there's some questions that are just shining out there sure one of them is why 13 why are there 13 who how could somebody come to the conclusion that there's 13 ascended masters now on earth where did that well come? Yeah, there's 13 and their leader. So there's actually 14, and, and that's just information that Benjamin Krem has received. Um, there are people who, when they're evolved enough, and Benjamin Krem makes no claims to his spiritual status whatsoever. He's a very humble man. I've met him many times. I've interviewed him on television. Uh, he's a wonderful guy, and, um, and he makes sense. Uh, he's not emotional about this at all. It's purely mental, um, and it's it's very interesting. But anyway, when people reach a certain point in evolution, they can be contacted telepathically, and that is the clearest communication that the let's call it, for want of another word, let's call it the spiritual kingdom can have with the human kingdom is mentally. Mental telepathy is really really accurate. Now he was trained for several years by his master. There he has a master that was put in charge of helping him learn and and go around the world and teach this. Um, and so he was trained by that master to receive his telepathic communication. There are all kinds of people on this planet who receive telepathic communications from the spiritual kingdom. However, more 
than mental, there are a lot of people who receive it emotionally. That's called astral communication. Astral and emotional is the same thing. It's called astral communication, and that's called channeling. And channeling is an astral communication. It's much less, much less accurate than mental. So channeling is touch and go. Um, for a lot of people, they're pretty good at it, and most of what they say is accurate. Mental telepathy is pretty much 95 to 100 percent accurate, and that's that's what Benjamin Krem has with his master. Um, he doesn't brag about it. He just says it's a fact. Okay, well, let he me. He was okay, told there are 14 masters on the planet. Okay, now let's. Let's put this into a perspective of the scientific method, because I happen Good. to think that in order for something like this to work, a person has to be convinced it's true. The method of science is experimentation. I liken it to Missouri, the show me state show me the proof, show me the evidence, show me the beef. But in our day and age, the subjective proof is starting to gain some credibility, i.e. if a room full of people have, have all had a life, and, a life after death experience. Yes. It's pretty hard to convince them that they really didn't have the experience. Just, Absolutely. Just like the, a paranormal event, a precognitive dream, a dream that predicts something that occurs later in the real world, or telepathy, or synchronicity. <laughs> it's pretty hard to convince somebody yeah. that who had one of these that it really didn't happen. Now, I've had a couple of these things that someone called odd, and and so I'm I'm a good example of this that. It, it happens to you and but if it but I remember being interviewed myself a couple of years ago and one of the one of the quest one of the questions was was well I you know the the uh, host said well I never had one of these paranormal supernatural experiences and so you know uh, therefore they didn't occur and I and I, I think the problem dick here is that unless we have a lot of people who who get these messages, who have an internal experience of the truth. We're going to have to go to the second level, which is the real-world experimentation of science. Otherwise, you are left with the revelation uh, being the basis of the belief. In other words, it's revealed, like Benjamin Krem. You think Benjamin Krem is onto something, and it's just like a lot of people, just like Jesus Christ, Buddha. I mean, it's revealed truth. It's truth that is coming from a higher source, and it resonates. It rings true. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. But all I'm saying is that in order to prove to the mainstream scientific community that there's some credibility to this, we need, we need to have this be, be more pervasive. <laughs> So, so I'd like to have you speak to that. I said a lot there, but this is yeah. this is my issue. My issue is that I'm interested in bringing this to the mainstream, but I have this sinking suspicion it's not going to work unless yeah. unless it it becomes real, it becomes proof to the skeptics. Yeah, I would agree on in large part with that. You said, however, at the beginning that in order to make this work or whatever, that that in order to have that contact, that you have to be convinced it's true. And I would see that a little bit differently, Philip. I I would okay. say that you need to be open to its possibility. Okay. Because once a person is open to its possibility, then they can have the experience. I see. And not and not deny having had it. If they're closed, even if they have it, they're going to deny it or not recognize it. Um, and, and so, you know, the saying, Benjamin Cram in the Ageless Wisdom says, there's an old saying that says, many are called and few, uh, few are chosen. And it really should be many are called, but few respond. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah that's good. But well, yeah, I mean, there, there's true. been there, there's been a number. I would agree with that. But there's been a number of people that have converted. Uh, my guest coming up in a couple of weeks, I think uh, Richard Kahn Henry, professor at John Hopkins, 
you know, he comes out of the traditional scientific community, but he's he's convinced that the that the universe is mental, is 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 mind centered. And there's Anthony Flew, um, there's a number of other folks that start off with this um, with this notion or with this attitude of disbelief, skepticism, but are brought over. And, and maybe sometimes it is it is uh, a a revelation or some kind of spiritual experience. But I I think underlying it, Dick, I think you're right for the most part, which is that if you're not open to it, you're not going to receive the the message or or have the chance what i'm thinking of is i frankly i like to think that some people are going to get knocked over the head <laughs> you know you know like like richard dawkins is going to float around his bedroom someday or something or or you know he's going to have some kind of, of of experience that that will prove to him that that the world is not just a bunch of 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 uh, selfish genes by the way you know in motion so Anyways, this this is this is really this is this is really good. Now, I, may I comment? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, uh, in terms of it, it's all science. The Ageless Wisdom says it's all science. It says miracles are science we don't understand yet. That everything is energy. Everything is vibrating. Everything is physical energy. Everything is not physical in terms of solid physical, but vibrating, alive. Um, we know that even in concrete, there are electrons spinning around the nucleus of atoms. Science has proven that everything is vibrating and everything is moving. Concrete vibrates slower than liquid. Liquid vibrates slower than gases. Um, well, there's a level above gases of physical, too, which we haven't talked about yet. The scientists have finally discovered it. They call it dark matter. It, the Ageless Wisdom calls it etheric physical. It's physical like gas that we can't see, but it's higher than gas. But it's equally physical. Our instruments can't measure that yet. They're too crude. So everything is science, but most of it we haven't discovered yet. And it's like spirituality. Um, meditation is science. It's it's a transfer of energy from meditation is receiving energy prayer is sending energy it's all energy it's all physical it's all science you talked about um, experiencing it yes um, experiencing it is critical by the way one of the most common ways for the spirits the spiritual kingdom the masters of wisdom to contact humanity is in dreams in the religions they called it visions it was nothing more than dreams um, and that's a very common way for them to contact us. People will have, will have dreams about people that died, loved ones of theirs, and they were with them and they saw that they were healthy and young and happy again. That was a message to them. Their loved one wanted them to know that they're fine, not to worry about me anymore. That's a common way of contacting humanity is in dreams. Again, if you're not open to the possibility, you're not going to get anything out of it. You're not going to notice it. So, um, well, that's a very it, important point, and I want to. We, we've said it a couple times, but I want to underscore that, and that is being open-minded. Sort of starts the whole thing. Absolutely, it start it. It starts the whole thing, and one it, a number of guests on this show. We we've talked about questioning, conditioning beliefs, and breaking down the doubts. And when we start moving to, to today's discussion about Ascended Masters and about the wisdom teachings, a lot of people's eyes are like, what are you talking about? But, right. but, but and, and I, I don't, I think that there is truth to the concept. See, I don't think we need the Ascended Masters. See, I think that what what is happening, I think we have a, I would call it a natural evolution of spirit. The you know Pierre Del Jardin, who I think was the one who first guy that came up with the the statement, which I love. You know, we're not uh, we're we're spiritual beings having a, a physical experience, not yes. physical people having having a spiritual. I mean, who he, came up with that? Pierre Del Jardin. From, oh, from, thank you. From the phenomena of man, and his his thing was that spirit evolves to the omega point where where uh, we realize that we're part of an all transcendent spirit 
You know, it, it got mystical at the end, but a lot of what we've talked about is is consistent with that theme. And he was on to he was on to something. You know, he was articulating a an idea that came out of uh, I think it came out of Eastern philosophy, and it came out of Hegel, who the hard to understand German idealist philosopher, um, who basically believed that we are all that we are spirits evolving to the notion that we appreciate uh, that we encompass all reality but all these guys are sort of saying the same thing and and that's sort of what I that's why I think there's truth to this dick and my my thing is trying to connect the dots because and not just viewing what you're saying as some kind of outlier out there you know this is this is the wisdom teaching of uh, Maitre whatever the Maitre or Benjamin Krem yeah Maitreya or Benjamin Krem this right. this is I think it's better viewed as being here is another perspective on the ageless truth that we are spirits evolving to a higher point. I mean that's that's sort of that's sort of where I go with this. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're having a wide open discussion here with Dick <laughs> Larson about the ageless wisdom teachings. Now, okay, we've covered a lot of ground, at least in one way, but I let's let's try to bring this front and center here, Dick, because one of the great things about the quote unquote new age is that it sounds like a better place than the old age. So what what can you tell us about what you've learned about what the new age is going to be like and what what it's going to mean for us sure um yeah you know um you said are they going to get knocked on their heads that's part of the new age every age we are going to get knocked on our heads yeah <laughs> i hope so i hope so I mean, it's going to be a day people will never ever forget um every age brings its teacher there's a teacher who comes to inaugurate that age and bring the teaching for that age. 2,000 years ago, the great teacher Jesus brought the teaching of love. And that was the revelation. We haven't done a very good job with it yet, but that was the revelation of God. He taught God's love. The Buddha taught the wisdom of God. Jesus taught the love of God. Maitreya comes, the, the teacher for the age of Aquarius, comes to teach the will of God and the purpose behind that will. Um, so Jesus came um, during Pisces, the symbol for Pisces is the fish, so there's all these fish analogies in the Christian New Testament. Uh, he fed the crowd with fish, I'll make you fishers of men. There's two symbols for Christianity, the cross and the fish, and most Christians can't tell you why the fish. It's because Jesus was the teacher for the age of Pisces. Well, now we're into the age of Aquarius, which is the man carrying a pot of water, the water bearer, the water carrier. The, the teacher for this age, whose personal name is Maitreya, which means the one who brings joy, uh, who brings happiness to the world, um, he is here now in a physical body waiting for the right time to come forward. But in the meantime, he has, um, you've heard of the healing water of in, um, in France. Um, he is inspiring and touching and magnetizing wells underneath the ground spring water underneath the ground there have been about four or five discovered so far of healing water and the water is healing the one that I'm most familiar with is was discovered in Tlacote Mexico and and it's about 100 miles from Mexico City uh, water was coming out of the ground and the farmer's dog drank it and his dog was sick the dog got well he gave it to some of his sick animals they got well he tested he talked the hospital into testing at the local hospital most of the patients got well so he started giving the water away he won an award from the United Nations for doing this well now there's one in Germany there's one in India there's one in Russia that's even said to cure alcoholism one of the things we can look forward to in the next 2,000 years and certainly for the rest of our lifetime are that that we're going to be given this water, the water of life, as, as many of the scriptures call it, to help us heal. What it does is it boosts our immune system. One of our biggest problems on this planet and one of the causes of many diseases is pollution. It lowers our body's immune system and makes us susceptible to things that we wouldn't otherwise get. We can look forward to that. The thing I forgot to that I, what I was going to say earlier was that Benjamin Krem's master has said you can look forward to the president of the United States 
no longer being one person, but being a panel of wise people. Hmm. Because group action is going to make the world work. And so we're going we're gonna to see changes in the social world, political world, financial world, the health care, business, education. It's all going to change because it was all those institutions, Philip, were built, so says the Ageless Wisdom, were built with Piscean energy. Piscean energy is being withdrawn, so all they can do is collapse. There's lots of concrete evidence that nothing works anymore. The healthcare system, government doesn't represent the people, the educational system, nothing works. And that's why. And what we need to do is rebuild these institutions with the energy of cooperation and synthesis, and then they will once again serve mankind. But they're not. the old institutions aren't going to work anymore. That's why the religions are losing their people. They're not answering people's questions as much anymore. So all of these need to be rebuilt. And one of the things the teacher for the age of Pisces is going to bring us, I mean, for the age of Aquarius, is going to bring us, Philip, is something called the New Age Religion. It is going to ultimately unite all of the world's religions. And what is this thing going to look like? Do you know? What is it going to look like? Yeah. It's going to look like, here's... Well, if you know... Well, the teachings of the of God's laws right. and the right. will of God, that teachings like rebirth, that the soul is eternal and it keeps taking human bodies. And every time a soul remembers where it left off in the last lifetime. And so when it takes a new body, it picks up right where it left off. That's why we're all at different levels. But you see, this is this is people where I have telepathy and some people don't. This is where I come down on this. And that is. Uh, two things again. First of all, I always I always feel that. Each of us articulates, in a crude sense, what what a what we think the truth is, or what we think the message is. And I think when we put some of these things in words, something is lost in the translation. Of course. And and so a lot of us, I mean, and I, you know, me included, we try to do our best we can to. It's it's sort of like this channeling thing, uh, or or a vision. You know, you write it down, you try to articulate it, but we all know that, you, you know, you tell a joke and five, five iterations later, it's completely different. You know, you move from a lawyer joke to an engineer joke or something or something like that <laughs> to make a to make a very mundane uh, example out of it. Yes. Yeah. But but it, the only way I go back to the same point I made earlier, the only way that we're going to see this in the real world I think it's got to grow from within. It's got to be a evolution of spirit, a real evolution. It's not going to be dictated. And I, I think no, that I think that that's that's part of the problem we have. And I think that's part of the uh, uh, rejection. Part of the reason a lot of people reject religion is that it's dictated. You know, yes. you must you must say the rosary fifty three times. You must kneel here. You must say this prayer, that prayer, this this uh this saint. And you know, I was raised Catholic too, and I I lost track of the whole thing. I mean, I I just I just felt that why do I ca- why do I have to keep repeating all this stuff? And and so yes. and so the only way and now then you get to well, how are people going to be convinced? And I go back to what I said earlier, which is that the people either need to have their own experiences, just like you've had, and I yes. think I've had mine in my own way I'm much I'm more logical uh, at least I, I need to have it proved to me or again we're gonna have to see the proof in the real world and I think that's where that's where we're gonna see a real revolution a real transition dick and I think that it's great having having this 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 hope this vision and and I think getting there is going to be a lot of fun and people like you and many others you know I would include myself we're all trying to articulate this but but I've I've come to the conclusion that um, there's not gonna be it's there might not be a massive revelation you know it might be it 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 very well is gonna be something where it happens naturally and so, so, so maybe you could respond to that because what sure. do you, what do you think about this 
transformation? Is it gradual? Is it sudden? I mean, what what no. does what does Benjamin Kremen say about all this? Yeah, it's very gradual, and it is from within. It absolutely is a spiritual evolution. You know, evolution. The, the the big planet says everything comes out of spirit and becomes physical, and everything that's physical will ultimately return to spirit. That's that's like the big plan. Right. Um, the process of becoming physical is called the process of involution. The process of returning to spirit is called evolution, and that's where we're at. We're in the process of becoming more and more evolved, more and more spiritually awake. And it's a very slow process, and it does come from within, Philip. And I do agree with you. I don't think we need the masters. But, uh, but what the masters do is speed up the evolution okay. by giving us examples, by giving us teachings, and by inspiring us yeah. um, it, in, within, too. Not only inspiring us with ideas and thoughts and words, but inspiring us, more importantly, from within, um, that that. Being, that sense of being touched by something <clears throat> and and knowing it just because you know it. You can't prove it, but you know it. Well, you know, that, you know I, I think that's one of the biggest problems when you think about it. We don't really have, I don't think, any respected um, spiritual teachers. Uh, if you look at what we, in, in, in the U.S., uh, who is there that speaks to everybody? I mean, Nobody. the Dalai Lama is out there. I mean, he's he's a great guy and he's and he's uh he's his heart is definitely in the right place, but you know, he's he's viewed as an outlier by most people in this country. We right. we have the TV evangelists. We have the the Roman Catholic bishops. We have some uh Muslim leaders, but we don't have a Martin Luther King type of person yeah. that speaks to the common spirit in everybody, and and so I I sort of agree with you. We we need leaders, and maybe the 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 uh, ascended masters fit that bill, but they're going to have to be real. They're going to yeah. have to. They're going to have to. They're going to have to be. I mean, I I want to say the only person that well, I, I didn't want to say Oprah, but there's there's so there's there's very few people that even would fit the bill. Yeah. Um. There, there's nobody that we know right now that's known, that's well-known, that is a master. I can just say that right off the top of my head based on my information. Right. The masters are teachers. <clears throat> that's what they come to do, Philip. They come to teach. I've got something in my throat. I'm sorry. <clears throat> and um, so th they're, going, they're going to be masters in every area of life, walking among us, and they're going to make suggestions. Our free will is sacred. They will never infringe our free will and tell us what to do or make us do anything, ever. All they'll do is suggest, and most of their suggestions won't come until we ask the questions. Ask and it shall be received. You know that's how they operate. They don't operate by command at all. They're just loving and generous and gentle and free. Um, and and so there'll be a teacher that will help us in the political field. There'll be a teacher that will help us in the financial field. You know, money is a spiritual tool if used correctly. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with money. Yeah. Um, but money has become God. Right, now. right, right, and, right. And so that's a problem. There'll be a teacher in the healthcare, a teacher in education, a teacher in in the different religions um, until the religions ultimately fold into one, and that will happen as a natural process. The world teacher isn't going to come and say, "Here's the religion you need to believe in." No, 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 no. This is going to evolve over 50, 100, maybe hundreds of years. It will evolve into the new age religion, which will be a an understanding that we're all one and that we're all spirit and we're part of the great spirit of the whole universe and that we're all connected and that when we hurt one of us we hurt ourselves that kind of thing you know that those kinds of things so the teachers will be teachers literally they will be teachers they're, they're going to make suggestions and we can either follow their suggestions or not it's totally up to us yeah this is a it's a really a, a great a great topic and we're running out of time here but i think that the point I would make right now is that we have a model that is the closest thing to this, which shows what could happen. That is the teaching of creationism in in schools, how controversial that is. And I'm not sitting here saying that creationism should be taught. I do think it should be um, read about and treated as something to understand as opposed to just something to ridicule. But but where I'm going is that 
this ageless wisdom needs to be taught in the schools. It needs to be, it needs to, it needs to be part of the curric of the curriculum. You know, yeah. I, I don't, it's pretty hard. I mean, I have an article that I, uh, published, I forget where I published it at, but it's, it's, I think it's called, uh, we can never, uh, rise to a more spiritual world if we only teach our children about materialism. You know, I have this thing about <laughs> materialism, but but if, but you can't if if we go to school and all we hear about is materialism and about economics and about the big bang and dark matter and string theory and 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 how how we're all descended from the apes and we're going to and we're a result of a random explosion, it's pretty hard then to snap out of that and start thinking that we're unlimited spiritual beings. I mean, I, I think yes. that that's really the the challenge we have is that we, is in my own mind, we're not going to get there until we change the curriculum, and that is going to take a while. But I like your emphasis on the ascended masters being folks that is, will accelerate change, because I do think we have we need to do as much accelerating yeah. as possible. So, they will speak very simply to us. Yeah, so so I'd like to thank you, Dick. Uh, the hour has gone by extremely fast, and I, I think we accomplished what I set out to do, which is to open minds to a different perspective on this. And I think what, at the end of the day, what we see here is that we could view this rise in consciousness from so many different perspectives, but at the end of the day, it, the the result comes out sort of the same, which is that we need to leave lead to a place where all religions can find truth, and where we could join together in a united theme that means something for all of us. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camella. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.